0: Welcome to the podcast. This is our first <laughs> podcast. Uh, uh, my name is Michael McGraw. Joining me is Michael Shutt. We're, we're using our names for this, right? Yeah, but We agreed. Not? Okay. Yeah. So we are doing this podcast. This is going to be a sports, uh, college sports podcast. We're going to focus on the ACC for reasons that I will get to in just a second. Um, and we were asked to do this by Chris of the Sabre so we're gonna be hopefully part of his new uh, expanding podcast network with the Sabre
1: not just part of but
0: well the flagship yeah. the flagship of that but naturally yeah so we're gonna we're gonna do this until we have such a big following that we will expand beyond and then we'll get into you know all the legal back and forth about it but anyways right. yeah so welcome Today we are talking about college basketball and doing our college basketball preview show and other subsequent shows we're gonna talk about the end of the college football year and other sports and hopefully have lots of fun guests as we go. But today is all about college basketball. So kind of just laying out our, you know, laying our cards on the table. I am a UVA fan, which is how I got into the Sabre in the first place. You are an NC State fan.
1: Yeah, massive NC State fan. My dad and, and a lot of his family went to NC State, so I have been brainwashed with uh, the red and white of state since I was in my crib. So mm. it's uh, it's a painful existence, but that's where we share some commonalities because if we just, you know, ignore the one recent championship which we won't but <clears throat> yeah but uh other than that it's not too different being a state fan and a uva fan oh um, okay i don't know how i feel about that well well i'm sure we'll
0: get into it yeah so anyway we're gonna have his external to uva he's gonna try to keep me in check from just doing too much uva grandstanding which actually i don't know i'm, I'm kind of like a pessimist at heart. So I might be the one that's actually pumping the brakes on anything UVA wise. <laughs> yeah,
1: but you are a pessimist, but I do think that you, uh, sometimes you definitely see things through a distinctly blue and orange colored glass. Colored lenses. That'd be very yeah. disorienting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, those would be like those
0: goggles. They give you, uh, it behind the wheel to show you what you, that's right. Like
1: what, this is what drunk driving is yeah, like. Yeah uh, similar to pulling for UVA, especially in football. Uh, that's essentially drunk driving at this point. I don't, I don't
0: want to get too much into college football today, but I do think we should touch upon the fact this past weekend we (laughs) were, so on Thursday night, we were both at the NC state Virginia tech game in Raleigh. And then the UVA Miami game, which we're definitely not going to talk about beyond this, but was
1: that a football game or was that a war crime?
0: UVA has allowed uh, zero touchdowns in the last two games and is one and one. Not, right. not bad. Sure, um, but both of those games almost, almost had the, you know, significance of having a zero-zero first half, which would be the first time this year that that's happened between two FBS opponents, and it was ruined at the last minute
1: by pointless, kickers.
0: stupid kickers.
1: Kickers are the worst. <laughs> uh and you know we were go- we're going to try to keep most of this episode very like non time specific but coming mentioning that game and the fact that I am a Carolina Panthers fan and, and we don't have to get into it but mm. it sucked you into that this yep. year and this is right after they've lost to the Falcons in overtime uh thanks to kicker and you know I think kickers are the worst i do think though that state tech game is important to talk about just very briefly because it does disclose, you know, another part of my nature as an ACC fan, okay. which is that my wife, my lovely wife, is a Virginia Tech alum. Right. So that's why we were at the game. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm relatively ambivalent when it comes to Tech and UVA, but I do, I guess, have a slight pro-Tech bias sometimes. I guess in the rivalry that no one outside of the Commonwealth of Virginia cares about. Have you seen the new
0: Commonwealth Cup trophy? There's a trophy? I didn't even. Has there been a trophy? Yes, there has been like a cup, but now there's like a Commonwealth Clash trophy. You have to pull it up on your screen. Sure. It's a. It can only be described as a children's cartoon come to life in the form of a new trophy. Oh, that's bad right
1: see this is
0: Cav- i, I <laughs> face looks like the georgia bulldog
1: yeah like it looks like and gun. and it just emphasize look if i'm tech here i'm not happy because i would want to de-emphasize the fact that our mascot is a turkey at all at all turns but we're leading into it here with this trophy and that's not good not great
0: bob it's and both of them look really slender. I don't know. I feel like both yeah. both mascots you're supposed to be, you know, buffed up and whatever, and both of them are looking very lean.
1: Yeah. It's been a lean inflation inflation <laughs> has hurt all of us. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, and, and good for them for trying to make this matter. And I'm not trying to like <laughs> I'm not trying to, to, to... Send all your complaints to Chris Yeah, yeah thesaber.com. Right. That's right. Look, I, I think that UVA fans and Tech fans alike would probably acknowledge, if they were being honest, that like this is, again, outside of Virginia. Nobody cares. So we're going to talk about college basketball <laughs> today.
0: Where do you, you want to start? College basketball starts... We're recording this the week before the season starts. So November 7th, Monday, is when the season starts for everybody. What are you looking forward
1: to the most? Well, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I think that the last few years in college basketball have felt tumultuous. There's been a lot of chaos. I, I think that last year was an odd year just in terms of kind of, the, I mean, the tournament was weird, right? There was mm-hmm. no obvious, like, this is going to be the team kind of thing. And, and I, I, I feel similarly about this year. I recognize that a lot of the pundits don't. I'm acknowledging my bias in that for a lot of people, there is a clear number one, and that is the team in baby blue. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure. And, and we'll get into that a little bit. But yeah. uh, I, 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 to me, there's a collection. There's There's four or five teams that I think are really a threat to win a championship. And then you have some outside teams. You're... You know, your Baylor's, your Houston's, your UVA's that, like, I think do pose a threat. I I just I'm excited to see it all come to fruition. And I think there's some really exciting games uh, on the docket. Yeah, it struck me. I was looking at
0: the schedule and pulling it up. And usually it feels like there's at least a couple of games that are really exciting. And I feel like there really aren't this year. Until the end of next week, which is the, you know, they have the big... uh, The Champions Classic thing or whatever that is. Michigan State and Gonzaga are playing on a boat.
1: Right. But, so it seems like it's kind of fading. It it takes a while to get into it. It takes a while. And then there's some big non-conference stuff in like December. Mm -hmm. um, You know, kind of around the holidays, which makes sense. It's not that that's new, but I just noticed several games on the schedule later that I thought, oh, this is going to be... You know, like this is—I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later. But just as one example, you've got Carolina, Michigan, mm-hmm. in late December—that that could be a really exciting game. And I just think that, like, it looks like a competitive season in the yeah. ACC and
0: uh, outside of that. Yeah, I—it's—it's it's amazing with North Carolina, uh, based on how they ended their season. It, It's—it's—I was back going back looking through their stats, and they had some of the best statistics in the last 20 games of the season including the tournament obviously they came up just short they almost won the whole thing yeah and they have most of their roster back and you know they sub out Brady manic for Pete Nance and so they they really seem like they're in the same position which it makes sense that they're number one I share a little bit of your skepticism like I think they'll have a great season I'm not Sure. They're not going to miss the tournament. They're both. definitely a,
1: probably a, at least an
0: Elite Eight team. Right, yeah. Or at least a top three seed one way or the yeah. other. But um, I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with those expectations now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it seems like they kind of just skated under the radar somehow. Sure. But they also, in this at the same time that they were having that winning streak, they also lost a pit. They had some really bad losses that were just inexplicable. So, yeah. Well,
1: I, I think that... It's So, yes, first of all, I, I think it's easy to say that expectations for Carolina this year are higher than they've been probably in five or six years mm-hmm. in terms of preseason. You had a coaching change in there that kind of helps. You had a reset. There's a grace period that I think is running out fairly quickly. Not that he needs more grace, but, like, okay. you know, we'll see. But, uh, uh, yeah, so you've got four starters back. You've got uh, bench players back. You've got Armando Bacot, who is the easy, like, he wasn't unanimous preseason player of the year in the ACC, but probably should have been. Two problems. Two things that I see. One, it's 2022 and your best player is a big. That hasn't translated to success for a whole lot of teams recently. you know. And I, and I think that there's if, if they didn't have experienced guard play, I would worry more about that. Obviously, you still have Caleb Love primarily as kind of the guy that I think of that makes a difference in the backcourt. But I just wonder... You know, anytime you're built around a big who does get in foul trouble sometimes, that's going to lead to some maybe like head scratching losses. The other thing is, Pete Nance is a big X factor here. Is he really a Brady Manic replacement? Right. So he shot 45% from three last year uh, at Northwestern, but on just three attempts per game. Uh, Manic shot 40% on just over six threes a game. Uh, And so there's a higher percentage, but the volume isn't there. And you just also got to consider that like, the types of shots they're getting. The defense they're playing. It's its just totally different. And it's hard to say, you know, what does Pete Nance look like here, right? He's going to have to be no better than, like, the fifth best player on the team. So, thats it's not a huge, huge deal. But that stretching the floor matters. He's a better rebounder than Manic, but doesn't really matter because you have Armando Bacon. Right. So, I just don't know, like... I think the narrative is Nance slides into the manic role, and you just like it's Run and it play play. Run it back. I, I'm yep. just not sure. I'm not sure that it's quite the same. He attacks the the paint a little bit more. Is that is that going to mess up spacing with Baycott as well? Like, you know that that could just be. It's going to be interesting to see how that chemistry comes together. Yeah, and
0: they weren't a. I mean, they weren't a particularly good three point shooting team until Brady Manic just really in the last. 10 games and in the tournament like he was such an x factor for them and if they don't have outside shooting i share that concern that you're built around a big and they play fast and you know that carolina transition that they've been doing for 30 years or whatever but yeah if they don't have shooters that you worry about you don't really worry about leaky black you right. know okay. caleb love you know he's better but he's he, gonna make
1: he makes he'll big make shot, some but shots, shots but, he's but not, yeah, yeah
0: he's not a huge threat so yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of them. I again, I don't. They're no worse than probably a three seed. Even yeah. if things go badly, they're they should win the ACC. But you know, long term, I don't know. I I don't think they're as like I wouldn't put money on them to win the whole tournament. I oh. think there are, there's value in other places
1: there. I absolutely would not would not bet on them to to win that. I think that there's there's obviously talent there. You bring back experience, but also. Not all of that experience is like exceptionally good players. Like, is Puff Johnson that good? Is Leaky Black even really that good? Right. Like, I so I'm from the Charlotte area, and Leaky Black's from Concord, like just outside of, of Charlotte. And I just remember, like, when he was in high school, the stories were, this guy is going to be this like huge deal, and like he's been a good ACC player. But you know, I, I, my point is, I just don't know that. Like, sometimes we give too much credit to. To experience, they still have to be good at basketball, <laughs> and like Caleb Love is going to have games where he turns the ball over too much. Ramona Baycott's going to foul out a few times. Like they're going to get cold from three. This is not one of those teams that's just like an unbeatable favorite. The, the team I'm most interested in, jumping off of what you
0: just said about having the most experience, the team I'm most interested in this year is Arkansas. Hmm. They they played really well last year. They lose six players. They bring in, like, 10 different players, freshmen, you know, really talented freshmen, transfers from Arizona State, Missouri, Rhode Island. What What is the makeup of that team? Like, are they going to have any kind of growing pains? Is it is it kind of a struggle at the beginning of the year for them? And then, you know, at the end of the year, they're great? Because they have probably three players, Nick Smith leading the whole thing, but they probably have three players who are going to be selected in the first round of the NBA draft. So they have they have as much talent on their roster as anybody, mm-hmm. but when you turn the roster over that many, that much, like, I don't know. Like they ha- I feel like they have a very high ceiling and a very low
1: floor as they enter the season. Yeah, and that's new territory for Eric Musselman, I feel like. It's one thing when we see teams like Kentucky have all that turnover, or even Duke have all that turnover late in the Krzyzewski era, where these coaches are used to that. And feeling like this is how I retool this. And it's not like that Eric Musselman hasn't retooled rosters because, like, this recent success from Arkansas has been a lot of retooling. But it just feels like you're going to be relying, like, in those last few years where Arkansas has been successful, you have had players that, you know, had been around for a little bit to kind of lead the way. You got to think they're leaning on Nick Smith this year, right? He's the number one freshman coming in. Like, the hey, let's just zoom out there. Arkansas got the number one basketball recruit in the country, at least from according to some services, right? Duke got the rest. Right, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I think that you just kind of, a lot of it just relies on this idea of, of how good is that freshman going to be, right? And we never know. So you could talk about recruits and think about, like, don't recruits and these guys who come in with all this talent how does it translate? How does it translate to the SEC game? And I think I, Eric Musselman is one of my favorite coaches in the country. I love the style of basketball they play. I think Arkansas is going to be a threat in the second half of the season. Yeah. They are going to have some early losses that you're like, really? Arkansas dropped that game? Because I just think it's going to take a while for that team
0: to gel. The, the other thing I want to talk about at the beginning, two teams that I think have Final Four potential. They played in an exhibition but you, you never really know how to interpret those because you never know how seriously coaches are taking it. Are they playing more players than they're going to, shortening their, their benches? But Tennessee played Gonzaga this past week mm-hmm. and, I mean, really took it to them. I mean, winning double digits. Tennessee is a, is a team that probably could make the Final Four with the talent that they have. Gonzaga is one of the consensus top two, three teams in the country You know, I could see either one of them making the final four. I'm a little bit interested in Gonzaga. They have the same, maybe the same issue you were talking about with Baycott, that they have Drew Timmy coming back. Is he the centerpiece of their offense now without Chet Holmgren? You know, they have a lot of talent, but, you know, is is Drew Timmy enough to win you a championship, that elusive
1: championship that Gonzaga has not quite gotten to yet? Short answer, no. I, I I think that Drew Temmy is I mean he's one of my favorite college basketball players of recent years. I think he's a blast to watch, and the dude's really good. Here's so my longer answer is I still think this may be the year Gonzaga breaks through because the backcourt is there, right? Mm-hmm. And and you have a backcourt of experienced players. You've got transfers. So uh, Nolan Hickman is back, ready to play an even bigger role. Um, Julian Strother is there. Uh, um, You've got big-time transfer from Chattanooga Malachi Smith, who I think is going to be a huge difference maker. Uh, Rasir Bolton is still there uh, from from Iowa State. And I just think that there is... So whereas last year it was all about Chad Holmgren, right? And in some years past, there's kind of Gonzaga has almost always had a big that was sort of the centerpiece right if you go back to the Sabonis years and like there's almost always somebody but when they are at their best it is when the guard play is there uh and yes like Nembhard is gone and and and, um, obviously Suggs from two years ago is gone but I think there are very few coaches in the country that coach guard play better than Mark Few and uh there's an experienced core which is when they're at their best as well he's not relying on freshmen anymore um, Afton Reed is a big transfer from LSU. Uh, UVA fans will be familiar with him not selecting UVA
0: as the team, despite getting pretty far in the recruiting. He's but from Ken Richmond, he, right? Yeah, he
1: is. Yeah, um, No big deal. <laughs> but I, I, I like Gonzaga this year. I, again, I think the experience core is what does it. So is Drew Timmy talent-wise enough? No. Is he, like, in terms of leadership and just all-around vibes, is he enough? Also no, but like maybe <laughs> you know I think that, that it definitely helps. Uh, you know, back to Tennessee. I think Tennessee is exciting. I, I think that's another one that I look at and just think this is a dynamic roster. There's there's threats all over the floor with them, and you know at the same time, like I don't know that I trust them to break through. Like they're no. they're gonna they're gonna fall short. That they just do that, right? Like that. It's Rick Barnes. I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe that's it. I just feel like they're gonna fall short. At their some
0: football point. team. Their football team's breaking through. So you know. You say that until this weekend. <laughs> We're recording this before the Georgia game. So just in case, in case that matters. In <laughs> case they lose seventy to nothing. Right. Just put that out there. But um, yeah, I I think they're really good. I think that obviously Kentucky. Kentucky is kind of my team that I I think that they have it this year. As, as somebody who believes in the redemption tour uh, from UVA's one sixteen loss to national championship, I think the you know you have the St. Peter's loss in the first round last year, which was very shocking. But they had some injuries going. It became less shocking as St. Peter's continued. Were, that's right. Yeah, they were legit. So for the tournament, yes. yeah, like they were a hot shooting team. But they have a really good mix of freshmen plus experienced players. They probably have the best player in the country in Chibwe. Uh, I, think, I think they just, you know, that's one of those things Calipari has had, when he's had his best recruiting classes, he's been able to win. But they haven't been able to kind of break through in the last few years. And I feel like this is the year where they have that perfect balance of really young, great talent. They have Wheeler, who's like one of the, you know, he's the centerpiece of their backcourt uh, as a senior, having that leadership, I think, will help the young, talented players that they have. And I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of the year, they—I mean, I—I—they're I, my pick to win it all. I, I think there's more value on them than UNC
1: at the moment. Uh, yeah. So Kentucky, my my one note—I literally right next to them, just have written in my notes, weirdly experienced. Right. We're not used to this. Like he's gonna definitely start two seniors. Maybe a third. You've got a third senior. So, uh, well, I'll I'll get into this because what I think that the thing that makes me so excited for them is senior point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, that is such a difference maker. Yep. When you have a guy who's been there and Severe Wheeler is not only one of the best point guards in the SEC, but one of the best point guards in the country, he can run the show. And then you add into that. You know, the the returning National Player of the Year In Oscar Shibuya That enough would get a lot of Coaches excited and looks like a good team Then you've got the third probable starter Senior, Jacob Toppin, who's one of the most Athletic forwards in the country And then you're looking at dynamic Freshmen, uh, uh, you've got uh, a do hero who's not one of the more acclaimed freshmen that they brought in but I think is going to be big. Caseon Wallace is the guy who's a big deal, is going to play the two guard. Chris Livingston on the wing as an athletic forward. And I've said all of this without mentioning the sophomore that everybody was excited about last year, Damian Collins. And like when you look at that as he's kind of your third big coming off the bench to spell Shiboy and Toppin, that's a dangerous roster, right? And I just think it's it's when you have Calipari with a, an opportunity to coach a team with experience and dynamic freshmen. That's yes. like that's dangerous because I know people, some people don't like him, but the dude can coach a team and he's got a system that works. And combining this, they they definitely to me seem like one of those uh, top threats along with Gonzaga. So who do you
0: have? Obviously, we can't. We we don't have the bracket in front of us, but who are, who do you have
1: as your final four? Sure, I mean I think Carolina is likely to be there. So, the, the that's I'm saying that with a caveat of I think they will be upset, vulnerable in the tournament just because of the way they play. But I right now I'm thinking Carolina, Kentucky, Gonzaga, and Duke. Now there's obviously some like we have to see how some teams play out because I could see Tennessee. I just don't
0: i don't know There's no trust there's but, no trust no, there's with red barnes
1: and 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 like baylor is there but they have their roster's just different in terms of you want to see how it plays out there's not the obvious jump off the like oh this is going to be incredible they obviously have talent but yeah so for me i'm
0: going to take just to go on record i'm going to take kentucky probably to win it all as my preseason's my favorite pick too um I like Texas. We didn't no. talk about them very much, but I, I just love what Chris Beard does, his style of defense yeah. and, the, and the players that he has. Houston is somehow always in the discussion every year just based on how hard they play defense. So I'm going to take Houston. And then, I don't know. I feel like I should just pick some random... There's sure. always there's some random, random fourth team. Yeah. So like TCU or Arkansas. Okay. Arkansas. I'll take Arkansas. we talked about them.
1: I've got a... A, an ACC dark horse that I Ooh. think could make a tournament run dark horse may be a little bit misleading but I'll, I'll give you that are mis- you picking Clemson <laughs> definitely not <laughs> PJ Hall is a great basketball <laughs> player but uh, no uh, Dabo ain't walking through that door <laughs> well do you want to do you want to transition to talking about the ACC or well, is there anything else you want to talk to see C- there team? was one non ACC team that I just because I feel like how have we gotten through this without talking about the defending champion, Kansas? Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it seems they're like interesting. They're and I, interesting. Yeah, I think they'll be down. Yeah. Kansas down, right? Right. They'll be in the top twenty-five all year, but I. They just. I think they lost enough. I mean, they still have enough. It, it'll be interesting to see. They're they're still the favorite to win the Big Twelve, but sure. they're not the overwhelming favorite because you know they had that the huge like almost two decade long period where they won the big 12 every single year you know it seems like teams like texas texas tech baylor there's a lot more competition in there and i wonder if maybe you know at the end of the season they're third or fourth in the standings as opposed to Mm -hmm. just running it back with the same expectations
1: that they have but yeah obviously and they're replacing three starters two four-year players and I, I think that that's tough, but you know what starter they do have back? Point guard. They have a ju- redshirt junior point guard DeJuan Dewan Harris, and that's a big deal, right? Like, again, that experience is important. They do bring in the number four recruiting class, they're going to struggle to shoot the ball. Like, you look at that rotation and what they have coming in outside of Grady Dick, like, who are you scared about on three point line? Like, Dewan Harris can't shoot the ball, right? And MJ Rice, who they're bringing in, who's a freshman coming in, not a great shooter. They're going to struggle with spacing. And I think that's what's ultimately going to hold them back. But they are retooling. It's just figuring out, like, is there enough shooting on that team to carry them into March? And I just don't think there is.
0: Yeah, it, I, think they, I think they're they relying heavily on Kevin McCuller, the transfer yeah. from Texas Tech, to really play a lot of different roles for them. Is he a good enough shooter to fill in? I probably not. You know, he could probably play backup point guard or, you know, he's kind of a ta- secondary ball handler. Yeah. Yeah. And he's tall enough to kind of be a three and D, but I don't know if he's a good enough shooter to fill that role. But he's definitely going to be an important part of anything that they do.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I just thought you mentioned the other team I just had in my notes in terms of like top teams is an ACC team and it is Duke. Oh, them. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I know. But hell of a recruiting class. Now they're not healthy. Right, their top two freshmen and Whitehead and Lively are both out right now. Um, Lively seems to be coming back uh, sooner rather than later. Whitehead, according to uh, John Shire, will be back sometime this fall. Sure. Okay. He's got till December twenty (laughs) first. There you go. I was gonna say, when does winter start? I don't know, but I think late season. Watch out for this team. Like, there's so much talent there, and it's gonna be tough because they're young, but they are again, they're dynamic, they're athletic. Derek Whitehead is gonna like he is an incredible basketball player He's gonna be a top five pick in the NBA draft and coming back to not to sound like a broken record but experienced point guard junior point guard Jeremy Roach if he plays the way he did at the end of the season that's a tough team it's just a question of like how much do they miss coach K
0: they strike me as one of those teams that kind of this is blasphemous to say but kind of like Carolina last year kind came, came in with a lower seed in the tournament but yep. then to, you know they could be a 6-7 if they lose some games earlier in the year and then coalesce
1: into a dynamite team of those NBA ready prospects you're going to want to catch this team early because like I really do think late season they're going to be very good and and it's kind of similar to how we were talking about Arkansas earlier like when you get the roster to gel now that's a tough team. Early on, you're going to catch them with some injuries. You're going to catch them with just looking like freshmen, right? But it's just going to be when you've got that, though, like that recruiting class where basically most of the top five is yours. Um, that's just that's a, that's a tough out. So, yeah, I I really hope one of these
0: times that they just have a, a roster that fails. As a UVA fan, they always have these like. They got R.J. Barrett and Zion. I would love to see just like three top five recruits and they just fall flat on their face.
1: Just like miss the tournament Yeah, just just totally bomb out. That'll show those 18-year-old kids. Right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's what I'm rooting for. Um, All right, anything else? Not team-wise. We talked about the lack of like really good early games. I had a few noted down as like I'm interested in these, but they're not the first week. Like you said, it's going to take a little bit. I do have the Gonzaga-Michigan State game on an aircraft carrier. Literally, my only note here is Drew Temme on an aircraft carrier. And I just think, like, that's that's going to be fun. I've they, got... had it, they had it that a few years ago where they had to cancel the game
0: because it was wet. Yeah, so and supposedly they, they got it figured out now. How did they fix that? I think... I... There's still an ocean around where they're Allegedly. Going. Okay, right. Uh,
1: I... I... – don't quote me on this. I feel like I remember seeing a tweet a while back about some adjustment they made to, they like – They bring in,
0: like, a dehumidifier. Surface
1: protectorant. It's, like, some, something they're putting on the court to help. Okay. It, I'm sure it'll generate controversy in some sure. way. The Duke-Kansas game on November 15th. Again, Duke's not full strength, but it's still Duke-Kansas. And, like, if you love basketball, that's got to get you excited. And then in the – I believe it's, like, the Roman main event. It's whatever that early season tournament that UVA is in. In Vegas, yep. yeah. You're going to hate this because the game that I would be excited to see is the potential of a Baylor-Illinois matchup. Well, yeah, if they both lose. <sighs> sure. And then UVA will play U- UCLA. That'll be a good matchup, too. That's true. It's, it, it's going to be a great event. I want to see Baylor-Illinois. I want to see Scott Drew and Matthew Mayer. Like, mm. I, I, I just feel like... Because he didn't, like, take shots when he left. But it was kind of this, like... I want a better opportunity. There's a really good roster here with good coaching and stuff. it's like, it felt like kind of a veiled shot at Scott Drew, which is weird because I just wouldn't have seen that coming. Um, they have a
0: pretty good roster too, no, Baylor. for sure, for sure.
1: <laughs> but like, this is like a, ultimately, it's a good game no matter what. But that Illinois team excites me, uh, and I just think that could be fun.
0: Yeah strangely in looking at like some of the best games of the year UVA has several assuming that UVA actually lives up to its potential like they a lot of fans generally complain that they have a really weak out of conference sure. schedule and this year they're they're playing Baylor in Vegas they have Michigan in the Big 10 ACC challenge they also got Houston at home Houston beat them pretty soundly last year and you know that right now Houston's in the top 5 so that you know that has if, if UVA is as good as some of the commentators think, those could be some really intriguing games uh, yeah. for them as well. I really like UCLA and Kentucky uh, in, in December. That's going to mm. be a really exciting game. Tennessee playing Arizona on the same day, uh, December 17th. I will
1: I'll be, clear my schedule yep. for that day because <laughs> uh, that that could be really good. Yeah, there's some good non-conference games on the ACC schedule as well, just kind of looking ahead um, both UNC and Duke play Ohio State. I think Ohio State's going to be a fun team. I don't know that they're going to be. They're not going to make like championship level noise, but they're going to be a fun team. Um, UNC plays Michigan. I mentioned that earlier. Duke Iowa is. I think that's in the in that's, New York. That's, that's in the yeah. So that'll be Iowa's going to be good, man. Like, yeah, Murray. Murray is back. The, the, the next Murray. Next. Uh, Murray 2.0. I've got UVA-Baylor on here as part of that, and, and uh, the other big non-conference game, UNC-Indiana. That's the yeah. highlight of the Big Ten ACC Big Ten Challenge because Indiana's going to make some noise, I think, too. Mike, in Mike Woodson, we trust. Yeah, kind of. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> really, but I want. They to. have some good talent on that team, yeah. so. And he says they're not going to be just about Trace Jackson Davis. So why? Why wouldn't you just make make all of the parts of the plane out of him? He's the best
0: player they have. So should we move on to ACC? Yeah, let's talk ACC. Let's talk ACC. Let's forget all these other yeah, who these cares? other who cares about them. We're, you're only interested in talking about the ACC here. If you're if you're listening to this, probably so. One thing that I wanted to do is a kind of a, a kind of look at the comprehensive standings, sure. preseason standings, and do kind of a buy or sell of where you think teams are based okay. on their preseason ratings. Yeah, definitely. Um, because if we did, if we did every single team, plus nobody cares about Georgia Tech, so we don't need to talk about them for more than two seconds. Yeah. But just kind of looking at the preseason standings, you have North Carolina at the top, Duke, Virginia. Uh, getting votes. Miami also getting some first place votes. Virginia Tech, uh, ranked seventh in the
1: preseason poll, they got a first place vote. A person is drunk. That. <laughs> Sorry, but it's a talented Virginia Tech team. But like, how do you look at the teams above them in this? I mean, look the top four. I buy right. right? Carolina, Duke, Virginia, Miami. Those teams are all going to be very good. Like those are all to me. Those are all potential top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. Like th- those, I think the ACC is back, baby. Like these teams are going to be good. Virginia Tech, Hunter Couture. What do we do? Like D- Mutts. Mutts. They have Justin Mutz. Okay,
0: cool. I as a UVA fan, I'm so happy Aluma's gone. Like he he put up. He was the most unstoppable like Bo Jackson in Taco Bowl <laughs> player against UVA, and so I'm thrilled that he's finally gone because he was so talented and so hard to guard but yeah I I think they maybe take a little bit of a dip this year Uh, it's interesting in, in looking at the like I was looking at Joe Lenardi's bracketology seven teams are projected to be in for the ACC so definitely more of an up year I think that's low I think it might be low I the team that I'm I think they're ranked sixth in the preseason poll, but I still think that they're maybe a little bit underrated. It can sneak into the top three or four is Notre Dame. Mm. Notre Dame has a really, really talented roster. Um, they bring most of the talent back from last season, and I just, I think Mike Bray is one of the best coaches. Like, he, I don't think he gets enough credit for being a developer of talent, no. Because it's really hard to recruit basketball players at just Notre, Notre Dame. Dame. Like, it's extremely yeah. hard. You're not really part of the conference and other things. And so, I think he does a really great job. So, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was one team that I think would make a big leap from where they are projected. That, that would be my team in Notre Dame.
1: I think Notre Dame is a coin flip for me, like, always in basketball. I, I just... I don't know why, but it's like every game I see with them in it, I'm like, you you literally could flip a going to determine what the outcome is. And, and like, it, it's just some nights they feel unbeatable because I think Mike Bright is a really good coach and they have a lot of talent. And then there's nights where they just like, they're, you know, in bottom half ACC team to me. And I, I just don't know this year. I'm not sure. So in my mind, I do think Virginia Tech is too low at seven. I don't think they're going to win the ACC. I could see them in that fifth spot or so. The I've got two thoughts on a, on a team that's too low uh, and a team that's too high. The team that's too low is my surprise ACC champion, which is Miami. Mm-hmm. I think Miami's going to win the league. I, I do. I just think that the Wong Pack backcourt is going to wreak havoc on this conference, and I could be wrong, right? This is they're not like a long long shot. I've got them on the books at. Uh, plus 1,400 to win the ACC. I, I, I could see him doing it. The team that I think is too high, it hurts me to say it, I don't even know the state's going to be the 10th team in the conference. I think I think NC State might be at 13-14. Yeah. Outside of Terquavion Smith, like, what is this team? Can't see <laughs> more That's all you need. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's going to go for 30 against UVA probably. Yep. yep. And then have 30 turnovers <laughs> against Pitt. Right? So, like... I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I could be totally wrong about State. Maybe Kevin Keats finds a way to put it together. You've got some potential impact transfers on that roster. You have a lottery pick in Dracuevion Smith, and that's fine. He's going to lead the league in scoring, probably. He's going to lead the league in shots, maybe in turnovers as well. But, like, there's just not a lot of ACC talent on that team. And so I, I just I think they're too high at ten, and I hate that. I think Wake also might be too high. I, I I just I'm still trying to figure out Steve Forbes, so I don't really know. Other than that, I mostly buy the preseason standings. Like I, I think they look fairly good. I just think it's mostly that top four, and then it's everybody else. Yeah, I, I
0: I agree with you about Miami. I don't they they wouldn't be my pick if I had to pick an outside shot. It would be Notre Dame, as I mentioned earlier. They have. Four senior major contributors coming back. So I, I I could see them. They're at plus 1,600 on my board. That That would be my value pick if I yeah. was going to go outside of Duke or UNC. The team that I think is too high, this is the year for me. Every year it seems like Syracuse is kind of in the middle of the pack, and then they play, you know, they have – their 2-3 zone wreaks havoc. They hit a lot sure. of threes, whatever. This is the year I really think they take a step back. The Bayheims are gone. You know, what 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 is their what what does it look like for them? You know, is Jim Bayheim I'd like it's kind of the tail end of his career, even though he says he has no intent to retire anytime soon. I could just see You know, beyond the fact that they play this zone a lot, I could see that their roster doesn't seem as talented to me as in previous years. So that's the team I could see kind of dipping a little bit.
1: If you had just now done like a, hey, Michael, quick, name a Syracuse basketball player for this year, I would have struggled. I think I eventually would have gotten Joe Girard. But, like, I think that's the only person I could think of off the top of my head. Like, I just had to pull up their roster and look at it just to see, like, who are, like, you know... Who's even on this team? And I don't know. Maybe that's an indictment of me. Maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to to Syracuse basketball. But, like, there's just – I don't look at that roster and know that, hey, here's somebody that I'm scared of when they – you know, when we travel up there or they come into PNC Arena or something. Like, it's just like it's the zone, right? That's all it is. And you got to think eventually teams are going (laughs) to figure that out. Um, I've been thinking that for a long time now, but right for Syracuse, the key has always, well, the key for the last seven or eight years has been just get to the tournament and then you're going to play teams that don't see the zone that often. Right. So sometimes they'll struggle through the ACC schedule because some ACC coaches are good enough to figure it out. Mike Bray, guys like that can have their teams prepared to face it. But when you run into, you know, a Texas in the tournament and they haven't been seeing it all year, Maybe it's more dangerous, but I agree. I, I I don't see it with the Syracuse team. I think that they get a little bit of a, uh, hey, the old guard of coaches has kind of mostly not not all left, but Coach K and Roy Williams are out, so Jim Beheim gets a little bit of a vote of just like, we trust you, like you're gonna be good because you're Jim Beheim. That doesn't sit with me. Like I'm just like, tell me why though, right? Show me the team. Yeah, the and
0: and they always, you know, he has some talented freshmen coming in, but. He always plays such a short bench it's yeah. always like six or seven players so it'll be interesting to see how much those freshman contributors you know from charlottesville uh justin taylor is you know pretty mm, good shooter right. from, right. from stab right yeah. so does he replace one of the bayheims or you know does he not make it into the lineup that you know I, I don't know it considering how he normally runs his roster but i i think that's the one team you know it's not great to bet against bayheim he's the hall of fame coach but I just don't see the talent on their roster without Buddy Bayheim, you know, scoring 25 points, hitting eight threes, and leading their team from behind.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think the years of the Bayheims and Elijah Hughes and those guys that would just kind of randomly light you up, you know, they got to find what that is on this roster. And maybe they do, right? Maybe Jim Bayheim knows that there's somebody there who can do it, but I don't have a lot of faith in him. So
0: in terms of the ACC Players of the Year, I was looking at. Do I, we were going to do a breakdown of like the preseason selection for sure. the first team ACC, and so I was looking at that, and I don't even have any notes. Like the notes that they have for the preseason first team, all all like I think they're exactly right. Like Baycott, Love, uh, Isaiah Wong, Roach from Duke, and then Smith from North Carolina State, who's going to score thirty points a game even yeah. if they lose. Like, that seems exactly right for me. But are there any p- players that you look at and think mm, maybe sub them out for somebody else?
1: So, I mean, I, I think that the, the the two guys that I think are most likely to, if somebody's going to fall off of that, would be Jeremy Roach. He was the lowest vote getter. And, he's you know, he was really good at the end of the year. But he's been inconsistent. So there's a possibility he doesn't rise to that. And Caleb Love. I I think Caleb Love is fine. I think he's good. He's had some big games. He's an inconsistent shooter. You know, what does the usage look like with a senior Baycott? You know, you get Baycott coming back. What sort of uh, – does does Super Davis feel a need to kind of like feed him more? Does the offense change a little bit? You you never know. I think he's likely still there. Um, If I was taking out Jeremy Roach, I'm putting one or two guys in. Um, Justin Mutz, potentially. Um, And Jaden Gardner. I think Jaden Gardner, Mm -hmm. to me, is primed to have a big year. Kind of got that like adjustment year to Tony Bennett and UVA basketball out of his system. And I'm sure, you know, UVA fans saw he, the dude is the, he can play, right? And he's versatile. I would imagine range kind of probably extends a little bit he's a hell of a rebounder and and he can play like and I, I just think that team is going to be better which is going to put him in some better spots and you want to talk about like having a veteran point guard to set you up you've got a 40 year old point guard in <laughs> kihei clark who like how the hell is he still there because every year i'm like that's his last year right he still has four years of eligibility <laughs> yeah, I, you believe- know that? I believe that's the tony bennett way that's right uh i believe it um so uh, that that's that's all I can really see outside of that. The only, you know, maybe one of the freshmen at Duke has like a massive year, just bigger than you expect. I know Lively got some votes, but no, I, I think it's probably. I think No Notes is correct. It's definitely Baycott, right? He's the preseason Player of the Year. There's no doubt. Maybe Nigel Pack works his way in if that backcourt is really great. Like not to the Player of the Year, but just in the first, to the first team. But yeah. the thing
0: about Jaden Gardner he can score. He's a he's got that great mid-range shot. He's improved his rebounding ability. He started the year off as a really poor defender. Yeah. And as the year went on, he got much much better at defending. He held Paolo to two yeah. of his lowest point totals in the of his season, right. right? Like he held him under double digits in both times primarily guarding him. So, I'm, I'm hoping that that improves from year one to year two under Tony Bennett's system. You would think that it does. I don't, I, I'm a little questioning whether he develops more of a range. Like, can he shoot threes? I'm not sure. I'm sure he's been working on it. But yeah, he, he would be somebody who's probably going to be such a centerpiece of UVA's offense. He, he's probably going to be their leading point scorer. So maybe with more talent surrounding him, that gets him into the discussion. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd still... I think the first team... Is exactly right based on what you would expect coming into the season.
1: Yeah, and I mean Gardner, it may not be extending the range, extending the range to three, but it may be just being more consistent from mid-range. And I gotta believe he's gonna play better defense. I mean, if you uh, uh, just kind of think about from year one to year two, you would assume that that it improves. And he wasn't great the whole time, but if I'm to believe the ACC preview in the Athletic. The defense is going to be better because Tony Bennett's too good of a coach to let that <laughs> happen again. Man, you you really so so Tony Bennett's just going to like wave his Bennett wand, mm-hmm. and Jaden Gardner's going to be a better defender. I think the fact that in I, mean, in I really Brock, think he will be a better he, defender he will be a better defender because they but... will have worked on it. Like you assume yeah. that there's a higher standard that he's being held to. I'm just I'm mainly picking on the athletic and yeah. just this idea that like. Just like Jim Beheim can just will Syracuse to a top eight ACC finish, that Tony Bennett could just be like, You're going to be a better defender because you're a UVA. Like, he is Jaden Gardner putting in the work to be a better individual and team defender. I don't know. Yeah, I think
0: um, it, it's interesting because I think they're speaking from the UVA fan. Uh, perspective here. I think there's a lot of excitement about this team and I think a lot of it is warranted. They have one of their better recruiting classes coming in. Definitely. They bring back almost everybody from last year other than Cody Statman. A couple of people transferred out who are pretty much minor contributors. So, you know, the core is there. You would expect them to be a better outside shooting team. Last year they were a horrendous outside shooting team and it was one of the least... Productive defensive teams under Tony Bennett, so you would expect that to improve just by continuity alone. But uh, I, I'm not I'm not as sold on them as an elite team, just because of what I saw last year. Like they in their spring game, they or their um, the scrimmage, the blue white scrimmage mm-hmm. that they showed, shot lots of threes, made lots of threes. Defense was kind of mediocre still. Sure. So it would be great to have a team that can make those outside shots that, you know, their team that made it to the championship, they had great outside shooting, but I think there are a lot of question marks. uh, Is Franklin going to develop into the three point shooter that we thought we were getting from Indiana? Right. What is like last year? Kia Clark was one of the best outside shooters on the team. And he's, don't want to live on that. You don't definitely don't want to live on that. Is Tane Murray somebody who can step in in his second year? and? Which be...
1: freshman is going to transfer to an SEC school after this yeah, year? Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> hey, I don't think we had any. No, no, because you we didn't had have Charlotte. a highly rated. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that, that, that to me in the outsider perspective is like the, okay, Tony Bennett has one of his better recruiting classes. Is he going to hold on to all these guys? Right? probably gonna, not right but who holds on to all their guys anymore like uh, i don't no, even that's think true. that's an indictment of him that's no, just the I way see. it is though. he took it as a i know I'm, I'm just saying like i i think that like and obviously it's not like jabri Abdurrahim rahim has gone on to be like a world beater or anything like that who yeah right um but like i just remember being here in the charlottesville area when Abdurrahim rahim was like when he was signed everybody was like oh this this is gonna be amazing this guy's a A Difference maker because he's like A rare highly rated recruit coming to Charlottesville So when I hear like Oh one of the best recruiting classes coming I'm a little skeptical of just like What does that look like That being said um, After that Miami plus 1400 bet Virginia plus 650 to win the ACC I kind of like Outside of the Carolina Duke there I I think they have a real shot at it It's just a question to me of like Are they going to defend better Because that That is going to be what makes a difference. And they feature the guy who is my favorite dark horse, like, surprise NBA first-round pick. And that's Reese Beekman. Mm, and I love think Reese. that, like, he's going to take his game to another level. And if he successfully does that, to me, that, that makes so much of life easier for Franklin shooting outside, for Gardner working inside, for Kihei, you know, uh, uh, penetrating and distributing and... Potentially shooting some, right? Um, and I think that, I don't know. I, I like the Virginia team this year. I do. I think they have the potential to, you know, do something rare for UVA basketball, which is be enjoyable to watch. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Like, I do actually, I love UVA. Embra- embrace the pace. They are, it's fun to watch. I like good defense. They are fun to watch. But last year, they weren't that. So last year it was just like, okay, you're playing kind of slow and can't score. But it's not that you're defending well. You just can't score. Right. Yeah. I think those. I've always pushed back
0: on the UVA is boring, you know, with the with the Kyle guy, Ty Jerome teams. Because they Those were, teams were fun as hell. They were so efficient. I mean, yeah. they were, like, top five in all the offensive efficiency. They just didn't put up a final score that was great. Sure. The last couple of years have been really after... Bad for the brand. Yeah, not, not great <laughs> offensively. So, like, last year their scoring offense was 335th in the country. Like, yeah. that's just... That's not good. Like, let's... Tony Bennett's too good of a coach to let that happen. Hey, man. Your words. Your words. Tony Bennett likely not on the hot seat this year. Maybe
1: If you're ranking in the 300 on offense, how long does it take?
0: Legitimate question. If UVA does not make the tournament in two
1: consecutive years, is Tony Bennett on the hot seat?
0: No. No, he's not. That was a joke.
1: If it looks like it did last year, like bad offense, the defense isn't even that great. I'm not saying he's on the hot seat now. But at what point – I know that some of the fan base got a little antsy even last year. Yes. At what point does it become a legitimate question of like how, – how I guess the question I'm really asking is how long of a leash does that national championship get you?
0: Okay, so I'm going an to answer for me because I said I, – I was on the record of saying this before the national mm. championship. I said if Tony Bennett won a national championship at UVA – he could be coach for life and I wouldn't care what the rest of it is. This is
1: where UVA and State are similar, because I would say the same
0: thing. I honestly build a statue. Sure. If he wants to lose the next two thousand games, I I have the shirts. Okay. <laughs> so that that's where I'm at. Okay. In terms of I, I don't think he would be forced out at any point. I could see him feeling pressure to move on to something else. I I, I don't he doesn't strike me as the kind of coach that's gonna coach into his Bayheim years, right? No. Like I could see him trying something else. Do a Jay Wright. He's I, yeah, Jay Wright's a great comp there, you know. Or you know, maybe try the NBA at some point. I don't know if the I don't NBA's know. NBA's first sixty-point a game team. I hey man, I would watch. God, have him go to Sacramento. And make okay, that maybe he
1: should go coach the Nets. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's they're they're going through some issues if right now. Anybody can clean it up. It's Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. He's too good of a coach. He's to too let that good of a coach to let Kyrie Irving be anti-Semitic. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I think Jay Wright's a good comp. I I could see him. I could also see him leaving Virginia for to be closer to his parents. You know, they're they're very important to him. So, like, if there was a job in the wisconsin area where his parents are i i could see that conceivably but i think it's more likely that he would walk away from coaching altogether before he would actually be fired from uva okay. i just i, I can't just curious Im- i can't imagine it i, I was think-
1: reading that um i guess dick bennett has been a little bit more involved this off season yeah. Like he's been coming to some practices and stuff like that which is interesting more um, mover blocker replace tony bennett with dick bennett Ooh, run it back <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much would actually change in
0: terms no, of... No, nothing that. would change. No, not much. It would just be less sex appeal on the bench. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't even I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> Maybe more sex appeal. I don't know. Ah, well. Um, so, so... So he's not on the hot seat. He's not on the hot seat. But some coaches who, who definitely you are. you have on the hot seat. All right. Well, I'd like to... Hold on. Let, let me Let me throw that back at you for a second sure. before you go into that. Kevin Keats is on my list of great places to start. So, if he does not make the tournament with NC State, is he gone? He's gone.
1: Okay. Yeah. Uh, So, first of all, I would like to affectionately, I'm calling this segment the Herb Sendek Memorial Hot Seat. Those of us who are ACC basketball fans in the Herb Sendek era, which I recognize that probably no one outside of myself thinks of that era of ACC basketball as the Herb Sendek era, but. (laughs) My guy was perpetually on the hot seat. And Kevin Keats has found himself in that situation. So, Kevin Keats, his seat is on fire. It is extremely hot. Like Tony Bennett hot. (laughs) Uh, And I think that, here's the problem. Kevin Keats shows up at, at NC State. It is like a much celebrated hire, right? People thought that they nailed it. Everybody was praising this hire, much uh, to, to separate it from the Gottfried hire. <laughs> when that happened, everybody was like, what the f***, this guy? Uh, <laughs> but Kevin Keats, big celebration, off to a great start, right? Has some tournament appearances, Looks everything is looking good. You're feeling like, oh, he's got his guys. Um, he's recruiting at a very high level. Then he kind of has his Icarus recruiting moment, flies a little too close to the sun, ends up with a couple of recruits who never show up, right? Jalen Q, Josh Hall, you, he's got these no-show recruits, uh, transfers, right? Um, you, the Manny Bates, whatever the hell this has been over the last couple of years. I'm going to transfer? No, I'm not. I'm just going to pull my shoulder out of its socket in like the first game <laughs> of the season. Um, <laughs> you've got uh, Shaquille Moore transfers to Mississippi State. It's just it's been rough. You've got bad injuries, the Manny Bates stuff. Like there's just been there's been some bad luck, right? Um, but then I think just mismanagement of a recruiting plan. And I I, look, this is always my concern. You've got a system, you've got an idea of how to play basketball, and that's great. And I think it works, right? I think his up-tempo system is appealing. There's a reason Casey Morrisell came to NC State. Um and that's great. There's a reason he can still recruit at a high level. We just picked up a four-star recruit. Like, like you're still gonna be able to recruit at a high level. NC State, I will defend the brand. Like it is not Carolina, it's not Duke. But like, it's not a it's not a bad place to play ACC basketball. Put that on, this, on the billboards. AC, NC State. Hang it's a banner. Not, Hang it's a not banner. that bad. But the problem is coming from UNC Wilmington to NC State. And yes, he had history at Louisville and stuff like that. But you're recruiting on a big stage. And I just don't know that he had the plan to put together a program and run a program the way it needs to be run. I think this is it for him. Because I, I, there's no way they make the tournament this year, I just I think this is gonna be it. He probably makes it through the year. We don't see as many midseason firings in college basketball as we do college football, but maybe not. Right? If they start off really bad, I don't know. But like, it, it's gonna be one of those things that you hate to see it. Truly, I think he's a really good dude. The players clearly love him, right? Like, if you're TeQuavion Smith, why why do you come back? You're you're probably – you are what you are. You're a lottery pick either way. He would have been a lottery pick this year. He's not going to be like a top five pick, right, unless he averages 40 a game and they start winning games. But, like, no, no. Kevin Keats is done. He is my number one. You are on the hot seat. You are in that Herb's Index spot. And then State's going to go hire somebody who's going to do the same thing, win a couple games, do the – you know, commit some recruiting violations. Like (laughs) – it's just, you're stuck in mediocrity, right? Like, this is just... We're a football school now. It's all football school. Yes. Fo- we're a football... All right, I don't want to go there. Dynasty. I don't want to go there. <laughs> we're a football school. We're a baseball school. We're a bass fishing school. We are not a basketball school. Not men's basketball. Women's basketball. Three straight ACC championships. See me. I was looking
0: at... For this segment, I was looking at coaches on the hot seat. And I saw a list that had Brad uh, Brownell on it. And yeah. And... It occurred to me that, like, I don't feel like he's ever accomplished anything. Like, they haven't won the ACC like in his life. Well, no, just just <laughs> as the coach of Clemson, sure, I, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he's done other great things. Yeah, but he's been there for 13 years, and it seems like I don't know. I don't know Clemson basketball fans because they're all football fans. But sure. it is he actually on the hot seat? Like, it seems like. No. He, it seems like they're fine no. like they seem fine they're competitive they make the tournament you don't have to do sometimes. anything
1: there to, like you you just have to be okay have a good year every now and then right and that's it he's fine and i feel like he's a good coach but on I, the right day you convince me that clemson doesn't have a basketball team <laughs>
0: like <laughs> what about what about jeff capel is i i feel like he's gone jeff capel's gone like, maybe, maybe after two games, maybe right now by the he, time this comes out, by the time this podcast is out. Jeff Cable,
1: out. so this is year five, I believe. That's right, has not had a winning record. Now, Brightside had his best finish in the ACC last year 11th place. Mm. Something to build on. Okay, other Brightside pulled in a huge impact recruit, Dior Johnson. Downside to that, Dior Johnson facing an assault charge is suspended indefinitely. That's bad. That's bad. Jeff Capel like it was a tough job when he got it right like this is a job like it's tough and I do I like Jeff Capel I really do I think that he's he is (laughs) capable I think like he is a decent coach but he's got to be gone how do you how are you there for five years and you haven't even come close to a winning record if 11th place is your best finish you're gone yeah. It's I like think Jeff so. Collins and Georgia Tech football. Like, eventually you got to produce results. You can change the culture all you want and get your new uniforms and start to pull in a couple of recruits. And there's been some transfers that have been like, oh, trust me, this is the guy. Everything's going to be – no. Now, are they going to still win some frustrating games this year? For sure. Somebody's going to get upset by Pitt this year. Will it be enough to save Jeff Capel's job like it has been for the last four years? No. He's yeah. He's- for- he may not make it to conference play. I. Yeah, I would I I think
0: I could I could definitely see him getting he's definitely a mid season fire. Herb Syndek made the tournament five years. Yeah. You've given him the award for that. Well Mark, his, Mark Gottfried also
1: made the tournament four years. Mark Gottfried has some larger problems. His firing was not all about basketball. The the Herb Sendak thing it, it it's it is testament to your favorite thing to tell me about NC State fans that I totally acknowledge I'm not fighting this at all. We are the most delusional fan base in the country. So Herb Sendek would make the tournament, because it was a Sweet 16 even, and we'd be like, no, nope. in 1983 we won a championship, so we should be doing that all the time. Jimmy V would have taken Julius Hodges to. Okay, well he would have. Julius see, Hodge, there you go. RIP to his balls that Chris Paul punched in that one game. <laughs> I got blocked on Twitter for tweeting about that, by Julius Hodge, of all people. Wow, anyway. yeah. he's taking the high road. I know, he was like, I oh, don't like to talk about that. Okay, oh, okay. Well, good guy.
0: The, so, the one that I'm most interested in, this isn't, this is divergent from the ACC but the one i'm most interested in is Patrick Ewing because yes. my my wife is a Georgetown alum and watches all of their games uh, often with her head in her hands also
1: a jets fan so
0: well there's <laughs> we don't have enough time for that but <laughs> so so amazingly, like, Georgetown is in a really uncomfortable position here because here is one of their all-time great players, one of the all-time great, like, fundraisers for the school, an outstanding, like, member of the community. Sure. Comes in, they're not very good, and then, out of nowhere, wins the Big East in his fifth season, or fourth it, season. Wins the tournament. He wins the Big East tournament yeah. out of... Out of out of the ashes, like she, yes. they, they make the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. So excitement around the school. And then in the fifth season, they lose every single game. 0 and 19 in the league.
1: 6 and 25 overall.
0: Right. So okay, I think they're going to be better this year. They have some training. You, have to, you they, literally have they to. They literally be. couldn't be worse. <laughs> but like, what are you and and I mean, Georgetown basketball is a big deal in the DC area. It, it's been kind of you know, sure. down in the last few years, but that is a big deal in DC, and you know they're they're picked 11th in the preseason. So,
1: like, what what do you can you fire Patrick Ewing? I don't know if you can. So here's a couple of things about this. A run was cool, good for you. Then you were really bad. This is why you don't hire, yeah, legend. Like you don't state Sydney Lowe. Like you don't do this because it's gonna lead to an uncomfortable moment when they fail. If they fail, but they're probably going to fail because all coaches, most fail, coaches fail at some point. Yes, most. Here's a little question for you. Did you know that Patrick Ewing got extended this offseason? Yes, I did. Because they really didn't announce it very much. They were very quiet about it. He got a three-year extension. So I find it unlikely they're going to fire him. But how long does that last? How long does Patrick Ewing's like grace period for being Patrick Ewing last? And I don't know... It's one of those things where it's like you had this... Ama- like I think most of the country who pays attention to college basketball was captivated by that 2021 run to the Big East Tournament. Like It was amazing. I loved it. I don't even care about Georgetown. But it was a cool thing. And then it was like the Monstars came and sucked his coaching talents... <laughs> And just all of the talents of that team, and they became like the worst thing I maybe have ever seen. I watched maybe two Georgetown games last year because I'm a degenerate and was betting on them. And it's on them or against them. Well, I think against them because you're betting on them. Yeah. Then, we, then we need to have an uncomfortable conversation. <laughs> but it was awful. Like you just, it's 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 bad. And I, I think that there's. There's really no way that it lasts for that long. But at the same time, like, it's – Georgetown is also one of those programs that I'm like, how realistic are your expectations, right? Like, what do you, like, deserve? Like, what what is this program really capable of? Because, like, I joked about Dabo's not walking through that door. John Thompson ain't walking through that door. Like, does he have another – is there another – person in that line that can walk through and coach the team. John Thompson, the third made the tournament eight times in 10 years Bring and they, got, the, and is, they pushed there, him out. Is there a fourth? I look, there's been fun Georgetown teams in my lifetime. And I think this is one of those teams that I, I'd love for them to be good. I'm not just saying that because your wife has walked in the house. <laughs> I Like I, I genuinely would love for them to be good, but I don't see it. And I think this is a guy He's not Jeff Capel. He's going to make it through the year. But I think, I think Ewing's out in the next two years. I kind of respect his ability to
0: coach really terribly. I love it. Have a when real... have you practiced that shot? Never. <laughs> and then have like a really really good weekend, mm. and then have that be able to coast on that for a long time. Like Didn't that's work my for goal. For Urban Meyer,
1: he had a great weekend.
0: Well, his
1: situation is a little different. Sure. <laughs> What, is that not what you meant? <laughs> no, it's not quite what I meant. So
0: <laughs> he at least won a championship.
1: Yeah, fair. Well, I just meant more recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Are there any... We should move on. Unless you well, we want to talk about other coaches that are going to get fired. you talk about the hot seat without talking about Josh Pastner? <laughs> you know, I don't... Is Josh Pastner on the hot seat? New
0: athletic director, so yes. They won the ACC tournament not two years ago.
1: Sure. And then... Well, we're at the basement. What again. else do you want? It's been up and down, right? It's been there's been some okay. There's been one really good tournament where you like He had a good weekend. He had a good weekend. That's all you need. And you thrive off of a roster where you have like, you know, a Jose Alvarado. I just that that face shield can't protect him from <laughs> <laughs> What about what if he holds up a number? What if he holds up like mm, 20? Sure. On his yeah. little uh, laminated he, cards. I forgot he does that. Yeah. The guys, maybe I just want him fired because he's so weird and I can't stand his positivity and I wish he would stop having fun being a mediocre coach. And <laughs> I just, I, I think I think he's out in the next couple years. I don't know if it's this year, but you got a new AD. That's the key here. You got a new AD there. And I think that new AD is having a chance to hire a new football coach. And he's going to want a new men's basketball coach, too. That's a lot of buyout money that you got to do, though. Stack. Yeah, I don't know what his number looks like, but worth it. Worth it just to get his vibes off the campus, honestly. (laughs) Sending (laughs) him back to Memphis. I had a couple of just, I'll I'll be super quick about this. I had a couple of uh, other out of the ACC hot seats. Bobby Hurley at Arizona State, last two years, 25 and 41. He brings in talent, but they've been bad. Like, you're just, I'm sorry. I just don't think you're that good of a coach. You're good at like, Popping a vein on the sideline. Um, but not good at coaching basketball. Jared Haas at, at Stanford. I'm, I'm kind of confused at why he's still there. Seven years. The best he's done is one NIT berth. Johnny Sta- Dawkins. Stanford, Stanford has a good academic school. There's, sure. Like they, good for them. Th- yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> Johnny Dawkins got fired for less. The, the, the note I have here is Jared Haas is way below the Dawkins line. And I don't want to get too far into like the double standard for some coaches. But... Um, there's one key difference between uh, Jared Haas and Brian – and not Brian Dawkins. He would never get fired. <laughs> There's uh, one key difference between Jared Haas and uh, Johnny Dawkins. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's time to fire that guy. Stanford deserves better. There's a history there. That program is good. Remember the Lopez
0: twins? Yeah, they were good. Yeah. What about Chris Collins in Northwestern? He's kind of it's
1: But he took him to the tournament for the first time. That's
0: right. Yeah. It's one of those things like I this is something that I really love about college sports generally is that the fan bases have different expectations. And so you can get a situation where a coach does something cool or good, they win a tournament for the first time, and like for one fan base that would be like enough to feed you for sure. a decade. And another fan base it's like We'll fire you two games into the next season. I don't care.
1: And there's a happy medium that it should right. be, right. like high standard. We want to win games. We want to be good, but like it takes time sometimes. And, and and that's where I get frustrated with my own fellow NC State fans. Is like, yes, high standard is good, and we should strive to be a championship program. You're in the ACC, and like you're right there. There's so many athletes for the choosing, but you gotta also understand that like. Like there were there were there were fans that wanted to fire Kevin Keats after his like first bad season, like four years in. He's had three twenty one seasons, and then he trips up, and they're like, "No, get rid of him." And it's like, for who? Like you think Billy Donovan's gonna come coach your team? Like that's my favorite thing is like going back through every time. I don't want to fire Kevin Keats because I can't stand the hiring process because the fans are like they think whoever the best. Guy is gonna come Jay, coach. Jay us. Wright kind of right. gonna come out of retirement and they, coach. Literally, at NC State. they will say that if it, like if there's a football opening, it's always Bill Cower. If it's like <laughs> basketball, John Wooden is gonna is gonna <laughs> come back, come from the grave. That's right. Like it was Greg Marshall for a while until we found out he beats his players and like that. You know, so Shaka Smart, right? He's probably available now. Make twenty twelve. He's a Marquette. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, but back. but back they wanted him when he was, like, the hot name. So we found out he's not actually that good at coaching. Anywho. I mean, made the Final Four. Let's have a more fun conversation yeah, about let's do coaches. That. let's do that. All right. You're going to a bar. Yeah. What coaches do you want to take with you? Give me three coaches. That, like These are the guys you want to hang out with. You're getting... Uh, uh, You're going to some... I don't know. Whatever bar you want to go to. You get to take three ACC basketball coaches with you. Who are you taking? Okay, so... Yeah, I, I think... For me,
0: on my list of three, n- uh, number three would probably be Jim Laranega. He's just like oh, an wow. old—he's an old goofy guy. He's, he's like, buying the drinks for sure. He's definitely buying the drinks. If if the wait if the waiter is slow, he's going to do that whistle thing, call them over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I can't even do it. I can't even. But. Like that alone, if I were a Miami fan, that would be enough for he's me. He's gonna order some like fried mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's gonna get something crazy. He's gonna have some crazy story because he's got, you know, he's True. got that New York vibes, and he looks like, uh, you know, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit. So okay. yeah, I I love that about him. All right, okay. So he's he's on my list. Uh, number two, I'm gonna do Leonard Hamilton because mm-hmm. he just seems so cool in everything that he does. He's so even keeled. I feel like he would have some great stories about being the Wizards' head coach. Yeah. So like he's got the NBA experience, he's got the college experience. So I I, I like Leonard Hamilton. I think number one would be Mike Bray. Like he's easily my top choice because he's showing up in like a Hawaiian shirt and two short cargo shorts. Yeah. He's he's the one who's like, hey, let's let's order some weird shots. So, oh, yeah. this one, you know. This one is supposed to taste like wood. Let's do that. <laughs> like, I, I just feel like he would be down for whatever you would want to do. Sure. All right. Those are my top three. All right.
1: What about you? Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. Reasons you mentioned. It just seems like a great guy. He to just hang seems out so with. cool and chill. Yeah. Like, I love that. Uh, this one was a weird one for me. But, um, so, okay. I'll say who it is first, and then I'll say, I'll, I'll make my confession here. Okay. Earl Grant. Mm hmm. Uh, He's young. I, I got to see him at a coaching conference one time and just like his energy's good. And so I just feel like that's an advantage I have over kind of feeling like what he's like in person. He's, he's young and just seems like he's full of energy and that guy can party. Like I feel like okay. you're going to, you're going to kind of rage with him maybe. Okay. Um, now my confession here is while we were talking about all this at one point last night I was doing some research and I did find myself having to double check who Boston College's coach was. Um, <laughs> Because they are like quite possibly the most irrelevant team in the ACC. But um, and then the last one kind of pains me to say it just because of who he's associated with. But Hubert Davis, mm. I want to hang out with that guy. Yeah, I think he's fun to hang out with. I think he tells a lot of good jokes. I think he's got good stories. He obviously knows a ton of people. You know, there's there's family. Connect- it's a huge. You know, important family in ACC basketball. He's got NBA connections. He's got ACC and college basketball connections. I just think Hubert Dav- Huber Davis and Hubert Davis. Is the kind of guy who's gonna make sure that you don't pay for a thing. The, the only though I considered him,
0: and he has that like polished TV experience too. So, like, I'm yeah. sure he would tell great, good stories. The reason I didn't put him on my list, he seems like he has one of those personalities that you're hanging out and everyone is just listening to him regale you with stories, mm. which is cool sometimes. But if I'm going to a bar, sometimes I just wanna sit there and like, uh-huh. Talk a little one on one. He's gonna like steal the show too He's much. He's gonna like totally steal the show. Nothing I say is gonna. You know,
1: everything I say is gonna fall flat. Oh, nobody's gonna give a shit about you. Right? Yeah. So it's just every. It's You're just also be, going like, to like, a bar with him. three ACC basketball coaches. I think. <laughs> no matter who it. <laughs> no matter who it is, nobody's gonna care about you. That's true. <laughs> All right, let's flip it around. Okay, a group of three coaches you absolutely don't want to go with. Mike Young is on that list. <laughs> sure, I feel like just we cause would, attack. Or? No, not at all. I think
0: it was. I think it's because we would go. He just has that vibe that if you were ordering, I think he would be like insulted to see a beer menu. He would just be like, "What milkshake IPA? That's yes, not you know. Give me a Bud Light." And it'd sure. just be like, "Okay, I don't, interesting. I don't know." So I, he he just he strikes me as gruff a little bit. Yeah, I don't fair. know him personally, but that's he fair. was on my list. Number two is John Shire because. I think he would try to, like, rage, and he would probably show you how fancy his shoes are. In a are. way that's
1: uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, he'd be like, hey, guess how much I paid for this, yeah. this shirt. Yep, yep. You know? And, uh, you know, he, he would still be like, oh, my gosh, we have to do Jaeger bombs. Yeah. Even though it's, like, a Tuesday at 6 p.m. You know, like, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and number one for me is Jim Bayheim I just, I don't want to sit there with somebody who's picking his nose. That's and fair. I old he's probably you know he's probably gonna be like uh i don't know alcohol makes me loopy sure it it interferes with my heart medicine so i don't i I just uh, i get it no no thanks
1: yeah my bottom here would be like guys i'm just absolutely not hanging out with brad Brownell i i'm sorry like i don't need him to sell me life insurance like (laughs) i i just what does that guy talk about like what there's nothing interesting I'm not gonna enjoy my time with him. Just period. He's gonna be boring. Josh Passner. I'm gonna get in a bar fight and it's gonna be me punching Josh Pastner. I don't like
0: don't the way think, it. Don't you think though that he would provide? And I don't I no. don't like Josh Pastner either, but don't you feel like you could go to a bar with him and you're like kinda in a mopey mood and you're like, I don't know, I just don't know about this job, or maybe this girl doesn't like me. And then he would be
1: like, It's all right, man. Like, sure. hey,
0: you can you, you're you got a lot of good qualities. And I would
1: snap right out because I would punch him in the face. <laughs> I I don't like the way that guy's face looks. I don't he I just sorry like I I know there's no real reason behind it. I just can't imagine myself spending time around him without being violent. And I'm not I'm really not a violent person, but he would bring it out of me. And Jim Beheim, it's obvious he's yeah. old and just like just please promise me if you're ever gonna hang out with him in a bar, take his keys. No one wants to go to a bar with a guy you can't trust to drive home. Yeah. Without killing a person. Uh, Remember when that happened? I do. He's still coaching. And we all just... We all just continued, continued on with our on. lives. We didn't stop. There, Like, what if I told you there was an ACC coach who has the killed a man... 30 for 30. Like, no, I'm not going to a bar with that guy. I don't want that blood on my hands. No. And he's old and weird and... I I feel like I'm gonna like get weird crusty things on me by being near him. I feel like he would be very negative too. He would he would yeah. he would like criticize. Oh, your this order. beer sucks and yeah. I hate this. Yeah. yeah, this place smells bad and there's. He would. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I I just. <laughs> uh, so um
0: yeah.
1: Is it time for my favorite? Segment? So
0: okay, we're gonna we're gonna end this this show. This is a long show. Some shows may be this long. Some may not be this long. We don't it's really we don't really have a plan. Yeah. So. We're going we're gonna to finish this. We literally this. have a Google Doc
1: with a plan on That's, it. That's right, We do.
0: <laughs> we're, we're very organized. So uh, the last segment that we want to do here is really, we're going to call it Remember Some Guys. Yeah. This is my which, favorite which one. Which is totally stolen from the former Deadspin sure, people, uh, the David Roth. Sorry. So uh, basically we want to use this as an opportunity
1: to just reminisce about some people from the past. Some guys who might have slipped through your memory cracks. You're just gonna be like, oh they're yeah, they're not necessarily that guy. all gonna be obscure. I think no, but just some guys that I think when you hear about them, you're like, oh man, I remember watching that guy play. I remember that watching yeah. this guy coach or whatever it may be. It's just fun, man. I had such a good time with mine. Yeah, you want to go first? Yeah, okay, all right. Go so ahead. the way I want to do it is I want to paint a picture of like, sure. I want to start by giving you some information, and whenever you feel like you can guess who it is, okay. I want you to try. Should try that. You, okay. you might not be able to. I don't know. We'll so see. for the first one, I started with an NC State guy. Okay. Basketball. To be clear. All right. He was born in Limwood, New Jersey. Six foot nine. He was a four-star recruit, number eighty-five overall in the class of two thousand six. Hmm. He chose NC State over West Virginia and Notre Dame. He came to NC State. Uh, for his career, averaged six point eight points per game. He was a 36% uh, three-point shooter. As a senior, he averaged 12 and 5. That was the only year he was like a starter. Um, Played some real, real big minutes that year. His one other stat that I will include, he had one incredible tattoo. Oh, I think I know it now. He last played in Argentina. Spent some time with the Nets. He has five career NBA points. Known as kind of a stretch four. Is it, is it Dennis Horner? It's Dennis it's Horner. Dennis Horner. Dennis yes. Horner. Oh, my god. He's goodness. got the 31 tattooed on his shoulder uh, in a flaming basketball. I have it pulled up in case you need to remember the tattoo. Oh, I remember now. Man. God. I. So here's the thing. He belongs in a category of ACC players for me, or just basketball, college basketball players. So it's like, is it really smart to tattoo your number on you? What if it changes? Trevor Booker did the same thing with 33 on his arm. Dennis Horner. This guy never like a massive difference maker in terms of like just overall, but he would make a big 3 every now and then. It just wasn't like I just think of him as like kind of in that junkyard dog kind of. He was a tough dude. He didn't he this guy did not screw around. And he was on those ACC teams in the late 2000s with guys like Brandon Costner and Ben McCallie and like just fun teams that weren't that good. In the Herb Deck hot seat era, um, yeah, Dennis Horner's my guy. That's a fun. That's a fun guy. He's the first guy I, who popped in my head.
0: I remember him vaguely. Guy I saw. I remembered. saw him play. So I, my guy, same era. I can try to do this in the same way that you. Whatever did. you want to do. No, that's fine. Let's see, see. if you can get this one. Probably so not. he. It's full, a UVA guy. It is a UVA guy. Probably guy probably so not. so if. if Fans fans of the show will get this one. So from uh, John Bertram High School in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, he went to the UVA the same four years that I did from 2003 to 2007. Okay, he was a six foot ten power forward who showed up at the University of Virginia and was kind of a joke because he because he looked strange he had a, a strange looking mustache and people uh didn't Wait. didn't uh they they thought he looked maybe like caveman maybe a little bit like a porn star and then over the course of his 4 years he developed into one of the ACC's leading rebounders oh I you got, I got him, him I got him
1: go ahead tell me about Jason Kane yeah Jason
0: Kane <laughs> oh man he was he was it was so funny. Like, the thing I remember most about him is, like like I was just saying, he, he went from being, like, almost a laughingstock. He would get in at the end of the game, and people would go nuts, and, you know, maybe he'd get a rebound, he'd, like, airball or something. And then, like, he was a major contributor at the end of his career to a team that actually made the NCAA tournament as they went from um, Pete Gillen to Dave Lato. Mm-hmm. So he was, like, one of the people that helped transition. Not that Dave Lato had a great career at UVA, but... Um, But then he turned that into a pretty good career overseas, most recently playing uh, in Angola. And they they won the FIBA championship in 2015, Mm.
1: uh,
0: Champions Cup. So, you know, ended up having a a decent
1: post-UVA career. And I just double-checked. I mean, dude is, I thought maybe third, but but fourth leading scorer on the Sean Singletary, J.R. Reynolds. right? Like, that's... I, I do just remember. So I mean, I, I'm I genuinely not trying to make a joke here. I'm a little bit younger yeah, than he, you. No, this is good context. So
0: I've just I've laid my cards on the table of my age. Shit, uh, I was in college. I'm younger. thirty.
1: So I was in college from 2010 to 2014. So but I but I watched a lot of ACC basketball as a middle schooler and high schooler. So like I I do remember Jason Kane. I like it took me a little bit to think of his name. And I spelled it wrong when I first googled him here, but um. I just remember like the kind of big guy that like he didn't start playing much. Did he play much till his senior year, junior year? Maybe? Yeah, junior year. he I started I just remember being like seeing him player, player, and being like, "Who is started. this guy?" Yeah. Um, wow, that's a good pull. That's a good pull. As students,
0: uh, students had a a Facebook group because that was a big thing at the beginning of our sure. college years. Uh, it called the Assemblage of Cain. Of people who. <laughs> Where fans of him. People would show up in like yeah. shirts with his face printed on it, and he was hilarious because he genuinely did not know what to do with that. Like that's he so was kind of like, "Are they making fun of me? Right. Do they like me?" Right. Like uh, and he always just seemed like, very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah,
1: that's a really good poll. We both picked relatively obscure from the mid Atlantic. <laughs> Who had relatively minimal impact on their teams, like overall?
0: Yeah, he didn't lead UVA beyond the second round of the tournament.
1: But like, I'm I, like, I just happened to pull it up, and like, I guess this is, this is his junior year. He basically averaged like almost eight and eight. Like, that's not bad. No. Um, senior year, he was pulling. Oh, it Went down. <laughs> but uh, he did a lot of rebounding. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Well, that's, that Those was Those are fun guys to, to remember. That's good. Yeah. Guys to remember. Maybe we should change it to that so that we don't appear to be just copyrighted. Sure. Just instead of saying... Guys one? to remember. Guys to remember. Dudes good. to remember. Dudes to remember. Yeah. That's right. All right. Anything else that you want to talk about before we get out of here? Not really. Okay. Well, in that case, I will do in the podcast business what's called a call to action, which is... That if you enjoyed what you hear heard here, please make sure to leave a review on any of the places that podcasts are generally streamed. Yeah. If you didn't like what you heard here, uh, take it up. Chris at thesaber.com. <laughs> make sure to email him directly. He will answer within eight hours of, right. any of any complaints
1: about the show that you have. Can't wait to get the text from him about that. He's not going to listen. That's true. Well, I mean about the emails he gets oh. from the thousands of people who are listening. That's true. Yeah. All right,
0: well, uh, more college basketball, college football to come. We will catch you later. Absolutely.